Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's the Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 35. On today's episode, we are talking to blogger and slow living advocate Karen Burke about how she used a challenge to declutter her home from top to bottom. We also discover how one sentence can make all the difference when it comes to clearing out your home to pursue a life you love. Hey there, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, creator of littlegreenbow.com and your resident wannabe minimalist. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with simple living blogger Karen Burke from Slow Motion Mama. As a recovering shopper and now declutterer extraordinaire, Karen has discovered that living with a minimalist mindset Whether it's the items she gives away, the things she brings into her home, or just how she views life in general, gives her the freedom to enjoy a more adventure-filled life with her family. Oh, and she has made a really big change that is making her super happy right now, but I won't spoil the fun. Karen is a wife, two-time boy mom, and former middle school teacher who now works from home as a blogger and course creator. The heart of her work at Slow Motion Mama is to help overwhelmed moms simplify their spaces and style them on a budget. She is dedicated to helping others organize their spaces and find their own unique style so that they can love the home they're in. Now before we dive in, just a little housekeeping. You can pick up the show notes for today's episode by going to littlegreenbow.com slash 35. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 35. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Let's get on to our conversation. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the Wanna Be Minimalist show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I am super excited to talk to you today about your minimalism journey, and you have a really interesting take on that. But before we get into decluttering, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself and what you find most interesting about minimalism or living a more simple and intentional life? Well, I am a wife and I also have two kids. Um, Our oldest is four and we have a 22 month old. So two little boys and I have been a teacher for 16 years. So um, I mostly work with middle school, although I have taught as young as kindergarten, which is a whole nother bag. But really, I, I started, I guess, maybe learning a little bit about mentalism back in 2008 ish. So I read some blogs and was uh, checking out some books and and was interested in the idea, um, maybe decluttered a little bit, but I wasn't really all in. Um, I was dating someone at the time who was the complete opposite of a minimalist, and so I didn't really have anyone to kind of bounce ideas off of or um, see the value in kind of what I was learning. And so it kind of went on the back burner for just, you know, a little bit, like I did some work with it, but I really wasn't 
full-on pursuing all the benefits of minimalism. Fast forward to about 2009-2010. That's when I started dating my husband. He was a big Dave Ramsey guy. So he was on a debt-free journey. Um, He had had a lot of consumer debt, some education debt, and was really working to pay that off and and pursue a life where he didn't have um, so much stress. Um, So, I mean, at the time, it was really that that time of the stock market crash and the real estate bust, and he was on reduced hours. His his father had lost his job. His mom was a homemaker, so he had moved in with them to help them with their finances. And so there were three adults um, trying to make it on his reduced hour paycheck. So it was just a really difficult time for them. And I think that was really the the thing that he needed to see. Like I have to live differently. We cannot live, you know, with this kind of baggage, even though it wasn't a ton of debt, it was enough with a small paycheck that it it was really interfering with his ability to enjoy his life and find happiness. And so he was working on a debt-free plan and I could get on board with that because I had binged some Susie Orman a couple of years before. So I was all about personal finance. And so we started joining in together, just kind of eliminating debt. Um, at the time, I didn't have any except my mortgage. We kind of worked through that dating individually, and then when we got married, we finished paying off all of his consumer debt and his school loans, and then we tackled our second mortgage. And so our debt-free journey reignited that minimalist fire for me, because as we were learning to spend less and to be satisfied with more things, uh, we really started to see that you didn't need as much to be happy as we thought we did, you know? I think a lot of times in your 20s, you're guilty of overspending and, you know, doing the things all your friends are doing. If it was, I, you know, I probably had 15 pairs of pants that I needed to teach in. Like, I could have probably gone six weeks without doing a load of laundry. You know, that that was, that was where I was at through our debt-free journey and reconnecting with minimalism. It really helped us streamline, you know, what we need, what we don't need, and kind of showed us a vision for what we wanted for our life. I don't want a life filled with a bunch of stuff and a bunch of stress. Um, we really felt led that maybe someday we'd do some missions work or, or at least live a life that that was a possibility. And so we decided that we were going to live a life worth telling stories about. So that was kind of like I a marriage motto. That. That's really like the filter that we use for everything. You know, when we're trying to make a big decision or we're kind of at a crossroad with what we're going to do, we're like, you know, choose the path less traveled. You know, we, we want to live a life worth telling stories about. And so for us, that's pursuing things that are maybe atypical to society or at least different than what the average person might view as significant. But for us, it's really panned out because, you know, we're we're fans of adventure. <laughs> I was always one of those kids that binged the uh, choose your own adventure books as a kid. Oh yeah. I you know? just started introducing those yes. to my daughter. Oh my gosh. They're they were super my favorite. Fun. But because I'm so type A, I would read. And if I died, I'd go back to where I was and try <laughs> the other path <laughs> because, because I had a plan. <laughs> I had a vision for how I wanted the book to go. But, yeah. um, but you know, I think that's just always been with us that that we want something different than maybe is the status quo. Hmm. And for us, that led to a debt-free life and minimalism and kind of embracing both sides of that as we journey through our lives together. Very cool. I know I teased your really interesting decluttering story, but I want to take a slight tangent. First, I want to go back to your why statement. I love that idea that you guys have a family why statement that you can get Mm -hmm. behind. That does make such a difference when you are facing these difficult decisions and, you know, your friends are buying the the new thing, right? Like they just got a cool, you know, billiards table or the kids are doing this thing or, you know, somebody just went on a shopping spree. Something where you just are like, oh, it kind of grates at you a little bit and you feel a little moment of weakness or temptation. And then you can just look back at that why statement of, is that the story I want to tell? You know, is that the legacy I want to leave behind? And I absolutely love that family wise statement. That is brilliant. Brilliant. You know, and really minimalism uh, to me is like a muscle. The more you use it, the easier it becomes, the stronger it becomes, you know, and I'm sure that 
back in the day, it would maybe I would see what my friends were doing or, you know, I can appreciate what they do. But when I look through it with our lens, it just doesn't appeal as much. You know, if I have a friend that buys a brand new car, I'm super excited for them. That is amazing. Congratulations. But then I think if I had done that, I would be sick right now. (laughs) Like I would not want a car payment again. You know, the car is paid off. And instead, we choose to spend our money on vacations. So I think sometimes for us, we have the flip side. We've we've done a lot of traveling. And, you know, sometimes we'll tell stories about the adventures we've been on. Um, we journeyed with some friends. We, we He and I road tripped across the Yucatan, <laughs> which is so probably cool. not a wise decision. It really wasn't even a wise decision then. But we were three years in and we didn't have any kids. And we're like, you know let's road trip across Mexico because why not? You know, it was just such an adventure. Um, And we would have friends that'd be like, oh, it must be nice to to travel and have that kind of money. And I, I mean, we, we don't, we lived on one income. What, even when I was teaching full time, uh, we used my husband's pay as our baseline. So we traveled on one paycheck, but the choices that we made enable those other choices. You know, it's Mm -hmm. life is all about trades. You can have a bigger house. You could have a fancier car. You could travel if you want to, but you, you know, it's hard to do all of those things. Money is a very finite thing. So it's just choosing which avenues you want to pursue. And, And for us travel and, you know, living a more simplified lifestyle was really something that resonated with us. And that's really one of the things we connected on the most because you came at it from a debt you know, trying to live debt-free journey. And we came at it from a traveling journey where we wanted to make that kind of same choice of, I'd rather travel, I'd rather have my freedom than have a giant house that's filled with stuff. Absolutely. Experience over stuff for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So you've kind of talked about how you've made that choice. Are there any other ways that minimalism has factored into traveling for you? Whenever we think about a big life purchase, we always go through that filter of a life of adventure. So, you know, for a while we were thinking about condo life because there's less that you have to maintain and that's uh-huh. it would enable traveling a lot more. But my husband also was raised on five acres with a creek and he, you know, he wants that for our boys. And so I think that's a compromise that we'll, we'll make. We'll probably have land. We'll probably look for a creek and, and we'll have a homestead a little bit. But um, then we make other trades like no, no animals <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's really hard <laughs> to, to just choose to go away for a weekend. If you have an animal you have to take care of or you have chickens or a, or a mini farm. I mean, there's just there's so many things that you have to consider. And so for us, it's really being intentional with those big choices. Mm -hmm. So that way uh, you have more opportunities in the small things. So um, for us, it means a smaller house, less to maintain, less to deal with. And a smaller house means less that you have to pay for it. So that's more money to travel. All right, let's bring it back to decluttering and living a more minimalist life. And um, obviously we can talk about those big choices, but how has your home and your life changed since you've decluttered? Because you've decluttered a lot, so I'm interested. (laughs) We have. Um, So there are obviously the tangible benefits. You know, we have more time. Uh, We're able to connect more to others. Um, I spend less time cleaning, less time organizing stuff. Um, And because our house is generally presentable, random hosting happens all the time. And I'm not worried about what my house looks like, but it's a lot more about like a heart and a perspective shift that, that we've experienced since decluttering. We've been to some of the places that are the poorest in the world. And you see people that have, you know, dirt floors and at best might make a dollar a day and they're incredibly happy people. Because they have that perspective that what they have is enough. It's really, it comes from within. You know, no amount of stuff is going to bring contentment. And so by decluttering our home and really focusing our life on what our truest priorities are, it's made a peaceful home for starters. And it's given us a lot of opportunities. We've had the opportunity to go from two jobs to one. And And that's not something I think we would have ever been able to do had we not developed that mindfulness that comes from not only decluttering, but also being vigilant and um, wise about what comes in. 
You know, I think a lot of times we're good at getting rid of the stuff. We'll take it to donation centers and we pass it on to people and we feel great about, oh, look at how much I got rid of. Well, that's fantastic. But then how much are you bringing in? Because if you get rid of a thousand things, but you bring in a thousand things, the only thing you've done is redecorated, <laughs> you know, or, or you've just traded one thing for another. And so it's it's a two-pronged thing for us. It's It's about decluttering and removing the stuff we don't need from our home and our lives. But it's also about being really particular about the stuff and the commitments that we bring back in. Yeah, it's a brilliant point. You can't just get rid of it all and then continue buying it. So actually I did, um, I, I love a good challenge. It's pretty much the only way I get anything accomplished. One year I decided I was going to track every item that came into our house because I was curious you know, how much stuff is really coming in? And so every month I had a tally and I would just, if something came into our house, I would click. And it was amazing to me to see how much stuff still came in when we don't really shop. You know, what kind of things were they? What were they that you were tracking? It was, so anything that came into our home that was a non-perishable, non-food item got tracked. So if, if my husband bought a new pair of shoes, you know, got on the tracker, if my in-laws or my parents bought our sons a toy, you know, it got tracked on there. If we bought crayons or art supplies, like literally anything we brought in that was not a a reusable thing like food or a toiletry, it went on this list Hmm. because I just wanted to be aware, you know, here I was decluttering all, you know, this amount of things. But how much was coming back in? And, you know, some months were really good. There might be like 16 things on there. And you think that's still pretty high. But and then we would have one month, there were 46 items. And I'm like, how did 46 items come into our house? I don't shop. But, you know, there was a giant bag of hand-me-downs. And usually my process is to go through it and then look at what they already have. You know, can I replace something? Can I declutter something we own to make room for this one? And so I always like to try to do a one-for-one swap, mm-hmm. or if I bring 20 items in, maybe that allows me to get rid of 40, have a net negative. I like to tell my readers, you know, do it for a month, do it for two weeks, you know, any, just track what comes into your house right. and you will be surprised, you know, especially during the school year, how many things uh. probably come in on the backs of your children that you're <laughs> just I mean, they, those little hoarders come home with all those things from their locker. Half the time, it's like, no, but I really liked that rock or that stick yes. or that half-broken <laughs> thing. And you're just like, what? Huh? Okay, mm-hmm. you need a little treasure box. It goes in your treasure right? box. And if that's full, you go through it and you decide that's, that you That's <laughs> right. You you have a storage <laughs> container. That's you, Whatever you can fit in that container, girlfriend, you rock with it. Those are your you treasures. Teach that, teach that one for one. All right, bring this treasure yeah. in. But what treasure are you going to give to someone else? Oh, this half-broken stick. That grandma will love that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Okay, so... I know I teased this, but I am dying to know what was your very interesting way of decluttering. So tell me about this. You love to challenge yourself. So tell me about your decluttering strategy and tactic. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earn In app, Verify your paycheck and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than three and a half million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earn In, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. 
Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. So I had just, I'm in a part of uh, a few Facebook groups on minimalism and someone had just mentioned that they were going to try to declutter the year um, by getting rid of 2018 items in 2018. And I was like, you know what? That's a challenge I can get behind. I can do that because I had just come from doing, um, the minimalist challenge, you know, their 30 day challenge. And that's the one where you get rid of one thing on day one and two things on day exactly. two and four, yes. three things or four three things. things. On day. So it's okay. just every day you add one more. So one three more. on three, four on four, okay. all throughout. With the goal of at the end of the month, you should have gotten rid of over 500 items. And the only rule is um, when you, so there were a few rules. If you, whatever you decided to declutter, you had to get out of your house that day. Mm. And if you miss a day, the challenge is over, you know, so you're supposed to, it's a kind of a social challenge. You work with other people. So I had gotten a few girlfriends that were like, yeah, I think I could get on board with decluttering and we tried it. Well, one was out at day three. Um, one made it to like day five, I was rocking until about day 14 and it wasn't that I stopped decluttering. It's that I broke the rule. I didn't get it out of my house. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pack up my kids in their car seats and drive across town to donate it to this place that is a valuable place to donate every single day, you know? So the, the rule didn't work. And I'm like, you know, the thing is the minimalists were, were like fellas, yeah. They were not moms, right? I, like, I have always felt that they, I love their message and I can resonate with so much of it, but come on guys. Right. <laughs> it's not, you, it doesn't work for like us mamas. Single men <laughs> comparing it to the mamas with like the brood of ducklings behind them. And I'm sorry, we are not the same. Like you can't, yeah. uh, so I couldn't fit in the rules. And so I wrote a post about how I failed the minimalist game because I did. Um, but those were the things I learned. I love a good challenge. But the rules have to be flexible. The rules have to work for my life because my life didn't look like theirs. And chances are it's not going to look like yours. You know, everybody needs that flexibility. And so I thought, well, this is a challenge I could get behind because it's still getting rid of a lot of things. But there was the the flexibility. You know, I had all year to get rid of 2018 items. And I thought, I could do that, you know, because it can ebb and flow. And I did the math and I thought, oh, it's just a little over five items a day. So when you, if you're like a bite-sized person, you could just say, all right, I'm going to get rid of either five or six items a day. And move through your house and just make that a part of your daily routine. And by the end of the year, you've decluttered over 2,000. That's amazing. Um, And I'm not that person. But there are people out there that that's them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You (laughs) cracked me up. (laughs) And I love them. And I am like, you go for it. But I'm more like decluttering on steroids. You know, like, give me an intense weekend and I'm just going to, like, attack it. We're going to live, breathe decluttering the basement and at the end of it we're gonna have 500 things in a box and I'm gonna take that stuff out of here and then I'm not gonna think about decluttering for a few more weeks because 
I forgot. I'm, I got other things going on. And then yeah. I get to a place where I'm like, all right, we don't have anything going on this weekend. Let's get to the garage. You know, like it, it goes through cycles for me. Um, and so that worked really well for me having a whole year challenge because I could have bursts where I could get rid of a lot of stuff. Um, or I, I tend to declutter when my kids are asleep because that's the best time for them not to know that I do it. <laughs> because they're still I have a, young enough that you can get are. rid of some of their stuff I and they can. won't know. And as and, you know, once they're older, that's absolutely not something I will do. Like I completely believe in teaching your child how to declutter and giving them a voice in what gets um, donated or taken away. I would never like take their stuff as older children who can recognize. But um, the baby's 22 months, so he has no concept of what if it's in front of him, he loves it. It's the best thing, and after that, it's something else. So he's good. And my son, who's four, is getting to that age where he needs to start getting involved. Um, the biggest problem we have with him is he loves everything. He still cries if he sees the trash man take our trash because that's oh. ours. <laughs> he has he has really strong connection issues to every little thing. And so I can't ask him, hey, do you want to get rid of this half-broken Happy Meal toy? Because he's going to say no because that that's his. Or it's something he's he thinks he needs, you know. So, so I tend to declutter in spurts while they're sleeping, stuff that is just broken or they'll never miss and and they don't I tend to try to have a challenge like all right I'm going to try to get rid of a hundred things in an hour and so then I just grab a bag and I just I do that and then later I'll sort through like this is trash this is you know recycling this can go to donations or whatever but I set a timer and I set a goal and that keeps me really motivated because I like a challenge I'm all about tricking myself into motivation and so I had decluttered, I remember when we started the, the 2018 and 2018, I had told my husband about it and he's like, okay, honey, you know, that's great, but I don't think we have 2000 items to get rid of. And I was like, bless your heart. You don't know what, <laughs> do you not live in the same house as me? Like, oh no, we do. Hun. But you know, he's always supportive, but he didn't ever think we had a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to show you that I can get rid of 2000 things and you're probably not even going to notice. And sure enough, I, and wouldn't you know, I decided I'm going to start that huge challenge and then surprise, we end up pregnant. I would have never signed up for that had I known that was going to happen. But because I'm super goal oriented and I had that goal already set, you know, I'm just doing it. So um, I watched a lot of Marie Kondo on Netflix mm -hmm. <laughs> with all that morning sickness. And that was just like, it's kind of like watching an episode of Hoarders. You're like, I got to get rid of all my stuff. Uh -huh. um, and so I did declutter all of our closets the first week of January. Um, and I'm in our office and I got over 700 items donated or decluttered um, wow. in one week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then I just kind of did a little bit here and there throughout those first trimester months because they're terrible. And I, I really wasn't too far behind. I was only maybe a handful of items off halfway point in July 1st. But then, you know, it was pulling up the rear at the end. You know, it was New Year's Eve. <laughs> And I was like, all right, I was down there with Pulling my newborn, out. <laughs> right? I was in the basement with my newborn. I was like wrapping him, you know, I'm like, all right, buddy, we've got 72 items. We got six hours. <laughs> Actually, I got rid of 2048 the, wow. at the end of 2018. And my husband was like, you're right. I didn't think we had that much, but okay, let's do it again. So so we did it again. Wait, he was the one that suggested the yeah. second year. He, yeah, because he was like, okay, you're right. We, but we weren't finished. He knew like the basement and the garage were kind of the two areas that are his that I haven't done a lot with. And those were the two that I'm like, honey, we can, there's 2000 things just in this spot. Like I can assure you we can get rid of more. And so once he, he was like, okay. And I, I wanted to do it again because to be honest with you, when I started the goal, I thought by the end of it, the house is going to feel like I wanted to feel like, you know, you have a vision in your mind uh -huh. for what your, your house is going to look like when it's simplified and it's beautiful and, and everything comes together. And there I was, you know, and with my three month old and, and the two and a half year old, and we're looking around and I'm thinking, 
this is, I'm not there yet. I, I think sometimes the, the temptation is to quit at that point, you know, like yeah. I did the thing and it still doesn't it feel like I like, yeah. um, it's a, it's a failure, but instead I thought, well, I'm just going to do it again. You know what? And that's, that's when I didn't read condo. Never. Mind. So <laughs> I decided to, I, I found that in 2019 and that's when I did the 700. That's right. But you know, what was interesting is I could have quit at the end of 2018 and instead, I continued on and I said, I'll do 2019 and 2019. I decluttered that 700 items in one week, the first week of January. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I looked around and I thought, now this is, this is it. Like, this is what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I was just 700 items short. That's when I started to really feel it in our home. And the realization came that I almost quit right before I got to that point. And isn't that just always what happens? You know, we're, we're working toward a certain goal and right before that breakthrough, you quit because you just get so discouraged that you weren't seeing the results that you wanted. And if you would just persevere just a little bit longer, you know, a lot of times that transformation is just on the other side of when you give up. And so for us, January, 2019, I started to really feel like, well, the house has come together. But by then, I had already had some other people from the blog and my email list and some friends in real life that are like, hey, I want to do this too. You know, how do you do it? So I was like, all right, well, here's how I do it. And let's go for round two. Let's do so it again. I had, I had a little bit of a community there, and which nice. was wonderful. And we just kind of, I went over some basic guidelines that I follow. I don't call them rules because I don't believe that yeah. you have to have rules for this because rules make you think that if you break them, you fail. And that's not my jam. Like do, do you, you know, whatever you need to do, whatever parameters you need to set to feel like a success, that's, that's what you go after. So um, we set up some general guidelines that I use and I'm like, you can use them, you can break them. Like there is no decluttering police, you know, no one's going to (laughs) come after you. I mean, no one, no one cares. So, you know, you do your thing, but some people like guidelines. So if you're a personality that likes a little structure because I had had structure because I thought, well, I need to know what, what do I count as what? So I had some structure to it. And so I built some community and we did that through 2019 And so at the end of it, I had some people saying, yeah, I made so much progress. Are you going to do this again? And I was like, sure. Okay. Like bring on 2020. And I thought it's going to get harder. (laughs) I feel like I'm starting to run out of stuff to, to get rid of. But at the same time, there is always that influx of stuff coming in. You know, I might've gotten rid of 2000 things, but if 300 or 400 came in over the course of the year. Well, then I really only got rid of, you know, 16, 1700. So, you know, there's still more work to do. The more intentional you are, uh, intentional you are about not allowing stuff back in, you know, the the easier obviously it gets. But so, yeah, so so we're rocking and rolling with 2020 and you're doing this again. So this is your third year. Yeah, we are about to approach the halfway mark, right? Because July 1st is our halfway. So if anybody listening wants to join in, they could do 1,010 in 2020. You know, they they could do half um, or they could just be all in and do all of it. Why not? I Um, love it. But, you know, at the halfway, it's just still five items, five to six items a day. Or if they want to catch up with everybody. You know, ten to twelve Jump items a day. They 10, can yeah. still. I mean, there are there are people that do it and finish the year way early. Um, oh yeah, I can my, see that. Yeah, so my total like 2019, I think I ended up um, getting a lot toward the end because I went through mm-hmm. a sentimental tote that I had from high school of a bunch oh, of pictures boy. and yeah, you know that stuff that you just never get to. Yeah. But so I I ended up finishing up 20. 19 with 2,194 things decluttered. Wow. And I'm a little behind um, this year. I'm at 928. Okay. So I'm about, um, you know, what about 80 off the pace, I think. Okay. 80. But it's still not July but, 1st. We're recording this. That's you right. still got a few more days I got a few more days. So that's right. There, no worries. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my total since I started that process is um, 5,168 items so far. Wow. Okay. We were talking about this pile of papers and what counts as an item. What are you counting as an item? 
Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. So kind of what I do, I don't count anything that was already going to be thrown out. Like if, if you finish a bottle of body wash and you're going to recycle that, that doesn't count, you know, like there, there are a few rules. The guidelines that I use usually anything that you declutter counts as one item. So if I declutter, you know, a shirt and three pairs of pants, well then that's four items that I do. And, and for us, the easiest thing I found is I just downloaded a free app on um, my iPhone. They have one for Android. I don't know what it's called, but on iPhone, it's just counter plus just a free app that you can download and it just, you can title it. So it's just titled like declutter 2020 and it just has a plus and a minus sign. And so every time I put something in the donate box, I just hit the plus sign and it just keeps the total tally for me of, of what I've done. If it's something that came into our house as a bulk item and I'm getting rid of it as a bulk item, I just count it as one. Like if, if I get rid of a box of crayons, like I'm not counting that as 24 items. Now, if you do, then you do you, that's fine. But to me, I was like, it came in as one, it's leaving as one. It's just one. Um, But I do make some exceptions for that. If the things I'm trying to get rid of were a lot of work to get rid of. So, um, for instance, back when my son was three months old, we decided to gut our entire first floor and renovate. So we had purchased a lot of things for redoing the house and we found an auction site that had a bunch of tiles. So we scored a bunch of tile. We were able to use it on the house, but it came in bulk and there was way more than we needed. And so we needed to get rid of that, but it was perfectly good tile. We just didn't need it. And so we just kind of put it in the basement and left it alone for a while. And then when we went through decluttering the basement, I'm like, let's try to get rid of this tile. Well, there wasn't a ton, so it was kind of hard to get rid of. We we didn't really need to sell it per se. Um, I think we listed it super cheap. And finally, some woman had contacted us and she wanted the tile but she didn't have a truck or a way to get it. And so we said, well, that's okay. Um, We'll bring it to you. So my husband had to load all the tile from the basement up into the truck. And then he had to drive it to her. And then when we got there, she was, she was an older lady and he's like, well, you can't, can't carry all this tile in. So then he did it all, you know, he moved it to wherever she wanted it to go. So that was a lot of 
that was a lot of work to get through that. And so I counted those individually because I felt like we really earned each one of those. <laughs> you tiles. earned those tiles. Like, I don't know if y'all have carried tile around before, but it's not super light. So, no. um, so, you know, if there were some things that required a lot of effort to get rid of, we counted it, you know, individually, but then there were other things that were big that we just counted as one. Like we decluttered our car. Well, when we sold our car, um, we count, I counted that. I mean, that is a, that's a big item off my yeah, list, sure. but, but it still only counted as one. Right. <laughs> but so that's, that's kind of the, the gist. Um, like if I, a question that I often get is what to do about paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and my general rules, if I just shred it all and I take out a bag of shredded um, to the recycling, then I just count it as one. So, because idea. honestly, like if I had decluttered the office and counted every paper, I would have had 10,000 just at the very beginning. And I could have just stopped right there. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it, it's a good point that you have to make the rules work for you, but also work in the heart and the spirit of the challenge, because exactly. yes, if the spirit of the challenge is to clear your house and you're just doing it and you're counting each paper and you get to your goal and you stop, then it doesn't really work with the heart right. of the reason why you're doing the challenge. Exactly. The so you just, yeah. you're undermining, you know, whatever you're trying to accomplish. And we rarely sell things. And that's mm-hmm. another, that's a whole nother thing. But a lot of people ask about selling and, and every now and again, we'll sell something if it's very expensive and new, or we want to kind of get our, a little bit of money back on it. But we also have a rule that if we put something up to sell and, you know, it doesn't sell in maybe like three months, then we just donate it because, you know, otherwise it just kind of hangs on. But we mostly donate when we can. Sometimes if it's something expensive, I like to find a person that I know could need it and give it to them. I love Um, that. So I love decluttering my kitchen by giving it to like young couples who just get married. Oh, that's Uh, so sweet. Because you know, they don't have a whole lot starting out. And Mm -hmm. I have this fancy um, food processor that I bought. And honestly, I just... I can't ever get into it. And it just doesn't really seem to save me any time. And I'm like, well, this is practically brand new. And here is a perfectly lovely couple who would love to have something like that. And so then I just look for people like that. So just offer things to that are maybe more expensive that would be a blessing, but it also works great for me because then I don't have to look at that sunk cost every time I see that. I right. don't think, wow, I wasted yeah, a lot of money on that. There's guilt when you keep those things because you feel like you're wasting the money. And there's a couple things I want to remind people when they're listening to this. You've already spent the money. So it's gone. It's gone. It doesn't, it's a sunk cost. Like you said, it's gone. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to point out that you are doing this on one income. So the fact that you are willing to get rid of these items, knowing that you've already paid the money for them, which you paid for on your one income, it just goes to show you that you don't need to always get the money back for those things. No, it's really, it's a really hard mental hurdle for a lot of people to get over, but it's definitely one to do things that we sell generally tend to be kids items, like big kids toys, like dollhouse, Mm -hmm. you know, or like those expensive things that they didn't use for very long. And so they're still in really good condition. And then like, yes, like electronic things, like we sold a digital camera one time or things that were really expensive. And I always, my Right. My starting point is 50% of the current value that you could buy it for. So like if I mm-hmm. bought a camera that was really expensive, it was $500, but now I can buy it on Amazon for 250. Well, I'm not going to be able to sell it for more than 125, regardless right. of what I paid for it five years ago or whatever. So I think that's the thing too. People put their current value, like what they paid for it, like <clears throat> that's still holding right. that place in their heart. And that's not what it's worth. Just because it's worth that to you because you've owned it, nobody else cares. (laughs) Well, and I think another thing that helps me parting with expensive things is sometimes you have to think about the value you can bring to someone else. It's not bringing any value to my life if I'm not using it and I feel guilty when I look at it. Whereas if I can give it to someone who's going to use it and has, you know, a lot of value in that thing, then it, then that's money well spent. You know, I just consider it like, Oh, it's like I bought them a gift. (laughs) I bought them a very nice gift. If you were starting your minimalism and your simple living journey over today, knowing what you know now, what is the first thing you would do? What if, or your friend was starting, where would you tell her to start? I think one of the things I would say, aside from decluttering is, is that focusing on what you're bringing in. Um, I think that's the piece that a lot of people miss. 
um, we, we get excited about getting rid of all the stuff and how good our house feels. But the reality is if you don't make a mindset shift, if you don't change your habits and, and change you, those so that they match your priorities, in a year or two, your house is going to be just as cluttered as when you started. So decluttering is great, but shifting that mindset to um, truly embrace a minimalist lifestyle all about, um, that's really the ticket, I think, for me. When you're aware of what's coming in and you're also aware of what's going out, it helps you sense your values. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm allowing a lot of stuff in and it it doesn't really serve me, then that's a sign that maybe I'm not really focusing on my priorities. Um, And I'm always having that conversation with people because a lot of people will say, they'll come into our house and they're like, wow, it doesn't look like a minimalist. Because people think a minimalist lives in a house that has white walls and all art deco (laughs) furniture. And, you know, there's this stereotype that comes with a minimalist. And while there are minimalists that ascribe to that lifestyle, there are plenty that do not. Um, and, and for me, it's about choosing simplicity, being intentional, um, you know, really focusing all of my choices in everyday life around the core values that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's minimalist to me, like being true to who we are and what our values are and not allowing a bunch of distraction to weigh in on what the world is doing. But to really just focus on, like, in, in our heart of hearts, like, where do we feel led? What kind of lifestyle makes us feel like we're living our best purpose? And then align your choices to that lifestyle. So uh, as a beginning minimalist, you know, really take the time to find your why, I think, mm-hmm. is critical. And, and any time you want to start something new, you're always looking for like, why do I want to do this? What's what's the root? What is what is if I boil everything down at its core? What am I trying to establish or why am I driven to this thing? And I think once you get a hold of the reason you really want something, you're like a bulldog. Like you're not going to shake it. You know, no, no storm that comes in your life is going to to move you permanently off course because you have that why rooted deep in you. You know, you have that purpose and that passion and, and that foundation established. And once you do, then all you have to do is funnel all your life choices into that filter. You know, this is, this is the purpose I want. This is the passion I have. This is the, the life of service that I have for myself and so then when a new opportunity comes, it's, is this the next best thing? Is this a step that's going to move me toward that life I want or away from that life I want? And it, it does sound super simplistic, but in reality, I mean, I just quit my career 16 years and that's, that's how I did it. Is this decision moving me closer or further away from this life that, that we have felt is our calling? And once you know what's true to you, it helps you see what your next best choice is. And, and for me, that was, you know, quitting my career and, and staying home with our kids and, and pursuing this online business and, you know, having wow. more flexibility to kind of encourage other moms in this space that they can simplify their life and they can develop a home that they love. And it it doesn't have to be complicated or fancy, but you can you can make a beautiful home wherever you are. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, I know people are going to resonate with that. And I know people also might be wanting to jump in on this challenge, the Declutter 2020 items in 2020. Right. So where can people find you? I run a blog at slowmotionmama.com. And I'm also on social channels. So I have a Facebook page and we have a Declutter the Year um, group within that Facebook page. So if you just find the Slow Motion Mama Facebook page, you'll be able to connect with the decluttering group there. And then I'm also on Pinterest at the Slow Motion Mama and just recently started to feel out Instagram. And they can find out about the challenge there. Um, and I'm working on some new like little mini courses for moms that I'm pretty excited about and we'll be able to 
share more there and also sign up for the email list if they want to hear about the new courses or or um, get a catch of some inspiration in their inbox. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so we will have links to all of that in the show notes and on the website. And again, that's Slow Motion Mama. Okay, fantastic. Well, I like to end each interview with three somewhat rapid fire questions. So what has been your favorite pleasure, uh, simple pleasure this week? So fireflies. <laughs> Can we oh. just talk about fireflies? So um, I loved them when I was a kid and I just felt like I didn't see them anymore. Um, as I've grown up, it's just not really been as prominent, I guess. And we bought a house that faces the woods several years ago. And the month of June, the fireflies come out and it is like paparazzi in the backyard. There might be 50 flashes a second. I mean, it is just absolutely insane. Um, so I have enjoyed putting the kids to bed. My husband's an early bird. He Like, he just wants to get, if it's 9 o'clock, he's in bed. So everybody goes to bed, and I've been sneaking down um, to the deck and just enjoying that super dark outdoor time, just watching the fireflies and just kind of appreciating that, like, childhood throwback that I haven't seen in ages. Oh, that's really sweet. I love these because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so question number two, what is the best advice about minimalism or habits that you've ever received? I think one piece of advice I heard a few years ago that's really stuck with me is kind of in the line of habits, but it says you can have success or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. Hmm. It's a good point. It is. And so whenever I, I want to get a little lazy or I just lack the motivation, I think about that long-term goal. I'm like, okay, do you want success or do you want to live in the excuses that you're tired and the kids kept you up all night? And, you know, you know that all those things you have as a mom, like, oh, the house is dirty or, oh, this, this is that. You know, there's so many things that come up that can mm -hmm. keep you from those big-time goals um, because you're responsible for just so many things. But going back to, like, am I going to hold on to my excuses or am I going to part with those in an effort to pursue success? That, mm. That's a really great a reminder for me. Yeah, That's a really good one. Okay, and the last question, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? Well, definitely um, quitting my career, I'd say, is my the big thing that I am happy for right now. I mean, I love teaching. Uh, as I said, my career started 16 years ago and I, I've taught, oh, oh gosh, a handful of different things, math, language arts. I've taught gifted. I've taught technology. I've, I've moved and done a lot of different things. And, and teaching has been just an absolute passion of mine for so many years. That, that was who I was, you know? And so I never really thought I could get to a place where I could part with that but now that I'm a mom, I always felt super torn. You know, I was trying to be mom to all my kids at school and mom to my kids at home and a wife and an online entrepreneur and a, a woman who had their house together and a woman who served healthy meals and the woman who served at church. Or the, you know, there, there's so many, you know, the good daughter and the good sister. And the, there's so many hats you have to wear. And this past year was just incredibly stressful. Just, <laughs> I mean, it was stressful before COVID and that really just amplified just the high level of stress. And it was really taking a toll on my health. Um, it was taking a toll on the kids. You know, they want, they, I had stayed home the year before when I had Levi mm. because he was due Labor Day weekend. <laughs> so I didn't want to try to go back to school with a newborn. So I had taken a leave of absence. So my kids were used to me being home. And then I went back. And it was just so hard on our on our son who was three at the time. Um, and it was hard on my husband because he was used to me being home and the house kind of running and having a rhythm. And then suddenly I was working 60, 70 hours. And so was he and, you know, who was raising our kids? <laughs> you know, it just, it, it felt so out of alignment with what our goals were. Mm -hmm. And as much as I loved teaching and I loved my students and I had amazing coworkers and I worked in a wonderful district, it, all those things just weren't aligning to our values, you know, and, and I just felt like a year of busy and rush and stress and a lot of migraines. And I was, this is just, it very clearly became not the lifestyle that we had envisioned for ourselves. 
And, you know, we said, well, you know, I, I prayed about it a lot. We, we, I had gone back and forth, obviously. Who quits a steady paycheck during a pandemic, right? <laughs> like, like, why would you do that on purpose? And, and it was really hard um, to give up that security. That is my number one thing. I, I am a security person through and through. Um, but I really felt led to let go. I felt like we felt strongly that it was time to just lean on our faith and trust that things would work out and and be here for the kids and and you know pursue that adventure that atypical lifestyle that we were after and and it it felt right but it is a little scary you know I'm not gonna lie it's, it, we've always lived on one income but in the back of your mind you still had one <laughs> you know there was still something there um and especially because at this point I was the breadwinner even as a teacher like I was the breadwinner so uh, we we dropped 70% of our income but I think that in reality I it was the thing that's making me happy just knowing that I'm going to be home knowing that I don't have to worry about all that stress and you know, bringing sickness home to my kids and, and the, the mm. stress of trying to teach online and teach with kids there and wear masks and deal with kids wearing masks and like middle schoolers and masks. Like I just, there were so many stressful things that yeah. it just became very clear that that was not the path that was going to bring about the stuff that we wanted for our life. Yeah. And so, you know, you trust that you're doing the next best thing, you know, the next right decision. And that's all you can do. And, you know, we, we just trusting in it and we're just moving forward. And and so there's a lot of excitement right now, you know, just that, OK, like we're doing this. The safety net yeah. is gone and we're trusting fully in, in what we feel like is our purpose. And that's while it's a little bit scary, it's also a really exciting place to be when you feel like you're truly doing the things that you're, you've told yourself you're going to do, you know, when you're finally aligning to what you feel like is, is the truth of your life and and what you've been called to do. There's a piece there. I think that no amount of money can really buy for you. So we're excited for you. Yeah, I'm super journey. happy for you. Congratulations. It's Thank a you. huge decision. It just sounds like it's the right one for you. And I'm so happy for you that you are being able to fill, fulfill your purpose. And thank you. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me here on the Wanna Be Minimalist show today. I've had a lot of fun getting to know you more and just share your story with our listeners. Well, thank you so much. It has been such a wonderful time. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, everyone check out Karen and I might have to jump on this uh, halfway 2020 decluttering challenge. This sounds super exciting. Take care. Whew, that was a good one. I had so much fun talking with Karen and connecting through our views of traveling, living with less and shifting your mindset to one of abundance. I completely agree with her idea of creating a why statement for your family. When you know your purpose or why you want to do something, it makes every decision you have to make so much easier. There is no more hemming and hawing. Honestly, it's such a feeling of freedom and I cannot recommend this tip enough. Thanks again to Karen for being a guest on the Wannabe Minimalist Show and for sharing her journey with us. That girl knows how to declutter and she makes me wish I had tracked the number of things I've gotten rid of over the years. Her number for the last three years is over 5,000. It makes me want to play along for the rest of 2020 and try to find half of that. So what would that be? 1,010 things to discard? Well, how about it? Are you up for the challenge? I'll post about it in my private Facebook group. So come on over and let me know if you want in on the Declutter 2020 challenge. You can find us by searching for Wannabe Minimalist on Facebook or by clicking on the link in the show notes. Speaking of show notes, don't forget if you'd like to get all of the information for today's episode, including links to Karen's site and her new decluttering sprint guide, you can find it all at littlegreenbow.com 35. Once again, get all the show notes and the links for everything we talked about today on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 35. And before we go, as always, I love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics you'd like to see addressed, please reach out either via email at hello at littlegreenbow.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash littlegreenbow. That just about wraps it up for this episode of the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on iTunes. And while you're there, please take a second to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. 
And one final thing, be sure to join us again next Thursday when I'll be talking about taming paper clutter with an emergency binder. If your paper clutter feels out of control and you could use some help, then you do not want to miss it. See you next week. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.